1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And I am preaching from this chapter about once a month. The very first sermon from here was uh, four weeks ago, a month ago. And we considered that which is found in verses 1 to 3. And that is that even if we are endowed with the most excellent gifts and privileges to help the church, and even if we perform the most excellent deeds to help the church and to help the poor, and we do not have genuine Christian love in our heart, our talents, our performances are of no real value. They're just of no real value. They are vain. Doesn't matter whether you're a great orator, a great speaker, a great teacher. Doesn't matter whether you give all of your goods to feed the poor, if you offer your body up in a martyr's death. It just doesn't, none of that matters. It's, it's of no value. If you don't have genuine Christian love in your heart, if, if love for God and love for your fellow man is not your motive, there's no value to it. It's pointless. Christian love is far more necessary and excellent than all of the, all of the extraordinary gifts of the Spirit. Okay? Christian love is far more necessary and excellent than all of the gifts of the Spirit. Christian love far exceeds all the external performances that you can do, all of the suffering uh, that you go through. Christian love far exceeds all of it. Christian love, charity, is the very heart of true religion. If you do not have and exhibit Christian love to God and to others, you have nothing of value to offer the church. If you do not exhibit Christian love and have Christian love to God and others, you are nothing of importance to the church, nothing importance for the church. The Christian church had many gifts of the Spirit, but many of them were trying to exercise these gifts of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit. And the number one thing listed in the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now as we approach here verse number 4, just fasten your seatbelt, okay? I've had to live with this sermon all week long. And it's been difficult, Ryan, it's been difficult to live with this sermon. We begin to look here at the excellent nature of charity. The excellent nature of Christian love. The excellent fruit that flows from genuine Christian love. Charity or Christian love is much like the prism behind me. True Christian love, when it is broken down into its component colors, through the prism, through the, 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 the refraction, see that, 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 that beam of light that goes into the prism and then is refracted out, that beam of light is Christian love, and it comes out in all of its component colors. And, and, and it comes out, it comes out uh, seen as long-suffering or patience. It comes out uh, as kindness. It comes out as humility. It comes out as selflessness. And there's 15 of them in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 15 of them. And so we take Christian love and we shoot it into the prism and that refraction brings out the co component colors and what we see Christian love is really, it is patience. It is kindness. It is uh, humility. It is selflessness. It is all of these things. Now, now, now verses 4 to 8 is not hard to understand. It's not at all. It is easy to understand. But verses 4 to 8 is somewhat difficult to live by. Mark Twain, 
who as far as I know was not a believer. But Mark Twain said this, I am not troubled by the things in the Bible that I do not understand. Many people are. Many people are troubled by the things in the Bible that they do not understand. Mark Twain said, I'm not troubled by the things in the Bible that I do not understand. But I am troubled by those things that I do understand and that I find very difficult to measure up to. Verse 4 here is not hard to understand. All right? Charity, Christian love, it's long-suffering. It's patient. That's not hard to understand. But that's hard to live by. That's hard to live by. These 15 components of genuine Christian love are not difficult to understand in the least. They are, however, difficult to measure up to. The first two things we see listed as fruit of Christian love are long-suffering and kindness. Long-suffering has to do with how we handle evil that is done to us by others. How we handle offense that is done to us by others. How we handle that. That's the topic of long-suffering or the topic of patience. How we deal with those who have hurt us. How we deal with those who persecute us. How we deal with those who have offended us. How we deal with those who have angered us. That's long-suffering. And kindness is, has to do with how we treat other people. Okay? So long-suffering has to do with how we handle things that come our way, or people, more specifically, that come our way. And kindness has to do with how we treat other people. This morning, we'll just concentrate on long-suffering. The word itself, at least from the Old Testament, means long of nose, long of nose, or long of breathing. You say, that's weird. Yeah, it is weird, okay? Uh, but anger, think about anger for a moment. What is anger uh, usually indicated through, indicated with, indicated by? Uh, anger is usually uh, uh, associated with rapid violent breathing right rapid violent breathing when someone gets angry their breathing gets fast all right they start snorting out the nose all right short breaths that's typical of anger what's typical of calmness long short calm breaths and so the hebrew word the hebrew the old testament word for long suffering it uh, really means the long of nose or long in breathing. Long-suffering is one of the great characteristics of God. In fact, all of these in verses 48 are great characteristics of God. Uh, someone has said that Paul, as he penned 1 Corinthians chapter 13, someone said that Paul is here painting a picture of the Godhead. He's painting a picture of the triune God. All throughout the Holy Scriptures, we see God and these characteristics, or God and these attributes. All throughout the Holy Scriptures, we're told that our God, our Heavenly Father, is long-suffering. We see that everywhere in the Scriptures. God is long-suffering. And at some places, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament is translated slow to wrath. Both come from the same word. Sometimes it is said that God is long-suffering toward us. And sometimes it says that God is slow to wrath or slow to anger. Exodus chapter 34 and verse number 6, when God gave Moses a peak at his glory. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering 
and abundant in goodness and in truth. Psalms 86 and verse number 15. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering. Now, now remember, we're, we're dealing with response to someone who has done us wrong. Remember that. Keep that in mind. We're dealing with our response to someone who has done us wrong. And God has been done wrong over and over and over and over and over. God is constantly sinned against. God is constantly rebelled against. God is constantly disobeyed. God is constantly profaned. I mean, in the world, round the clock, for all time, people have profaned God, hated God, accused God, spoke evil of God, disobeyed God, ignored God, on and on, done wrong to God over and over and over and over. And yet the Bible says that he is slow to wrath. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a short fuse and, and get angry at the drop of a hat. If that was God, if God had a short fuse and got angry at the drop of a hat and retaliated and revenged himself at the drop of a hat, there would be nobody living. Do you understand that? There would be nobody living. But God is patient. Psalm 103 and verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious. Here it is translated, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Joel chapter 2 and verse number 13, rend your heart and not your garments. Turn to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. He is long-suffering, long-suffering, slow to anger, slow to anger. All over the pages of your Bible, you'll read that God is long-suffering. All over the pages of your Bible, you'll read that God is slow to anger. It's not confined to the pages of the Old Testament either. You read through the New Testament as well, and you'll see that over and over again in your New Testament. And probably one of the most familiar is... 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is what? Long-suffering to usward. Not willing. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not anxiously, happily looking for people to cast into hell. He's not. He is slow to anger, he is long-suffering, and he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And, and if, you, if you were to do a, a word study of long-suffering, uh, that word long-suffering or that phrase slow to anger is often linked, it is often linked with great kindness and plenteous in mercy. God is very kind. He's very gracious. He has plenty of mercy. His mercies are new every morning. He is slow to wrath. What a great God we serve, church. Amen? What a great God we serve. And in our text this morning, it is linked with kindness. Now, brothers and sisters, let me say this. This is not optional. This is not optional. The believer, the child of God, is commanded to be long-suffering to others. No, it's not optional. You don't get to, you don't get to check that option. Say, you know what, I, I, I'll, I'll take that option. Or no, I won't take that. I'll leave that box unchecked. I don't want that option. We do that with a lot of things in life. We get the option. We tick the boxes of what we want, what we don't want. You don't get an option here. There is no box to tick. 
Every one of us are commanded to be long-suffering. We're commanded to be slow to anger. We're commanded to be patient and kind. When others do us wrong, our response should be our default response. When others do us wrong, our default response should be kindness. That's hard. Yes? That's very, very difficult. Very difficult. We should be gentle. Gentle. We, we, should, be, we should be very slow to get angry. The believer, the Christian, is to possess a long fuse. You know the difference between a long fuse and a short fuse, you know? You've seen, you've seen those guys on the 4th of July, they creep up there and they light a fuse that's going to put off, you know, 30 fireworks. They light that fuse and what do they do? They run. They run. Because that, that fuse is, and sometimes, sometimes that fuse is shorter than it should be, okay? When we are done wrong, our fuse should be huge. And it should be a long time and a long process to get us angry. Now, now, now listen to me. We're not dealing per se with forgiveness. Although forgiveness intersects here. Forgiveness can intersect, okay? But, but, but forgiveness is its own topic. And I preached two sermons on forgiveness eight months ago. It's its own topic. Forgiveness does intersect here. But we're not dealing with forgiveness per se. Um... And it's not, we're not dealing specifically and directly with anger either. Anger can be justified. Anger can be righteous. And anger can be necessary. But anger is its own topic, okay? It's its own topic. I don't want to confuse you. I don't want to confuse you here. These things intersect. They do intersect. Long-suffering and forgiveness intersects. Long-suffering and anger intersects. But they are their own separate topics. The subject of long-suffering is about us controlling our emotions and controlling our spirit so that we don't blow up at the drop of a hat. So that our first default response is not anger. So that our first default response is not unkindness. That is not Christian. Your default response when sinned against, when harmed, when offended, when done wrong, your first response, your default response should be kindness and gentleness. Not going off at the least little provocation. Not getting mad all the time. Not having no gentleness. No gentleness. Would they say about that? Would they say that about you? Oh, he's he's he he has no gentleness. She's not gentle at all. She's an angry person. She's a mean person. Don't cross him. Is that your reputation? If that's your reputation, there's a problem. There is a serious problem. That is not the Christian response. People should not know you and say, oh, don't cross him. Boy, he'll get mad. He'll blow his top. Do you have no grace or kindness to those that irritate you? Snapping at everyone? Snapping at everything? Developing that reputation of being mean? 
Do your, do your family and your friends and your co-workers, do they have to walk on eggshells around you because they don't want to set you off? I can't tell you how many times. This fall, my wife told me, well, she claims I walk like an elephant. But all this fall, she's canning tomatoes, canning corn, canning this, canning that, canning, canning, canning. And she tells me to walk lightly. Be careful when you're walking by the canner, all right? Don't shake the house. Your family and friends, your co-workers, do they have to tread lightly around you? wrathful when anyone crosses you you know the secular philosophers of the early centuries and then they had some wise things to say okay they had some wise things to say and every once in a while it's not wrong to quote those uh, you know the aristotles and the socrates and all those men but they said that any man who allowed himself to be wronged and he didn't retaliate, that he was a weak man. He was weak. If you let people roll over you, if you let people do you wrong, and you, and you, and you don't respond with revenge, and you don't respond with, with retaliation, then you're a weak man. You should respond with strength, and you should respond in equal measure or greater measure, and you should respond in anger. That's what the early philosophers taught. That a real man retaliates. A macho man retaliates. But that's the world's philosophy. That's the world's philosophy. That's not Christian. Retaliate when you're done wrong to. That's not Christian. That's not Christian love. You shoot Christian love into the prism and the refraction puts out these colors and one of them is long-suffering, slow to wrath, patient, kind. You may think that a man that does not retaliate is weak, but he's actually meek. In other words, he's humble. He's gentle. Meekness is a biblical quality. Meekness is a biblical quality. Jesus said about himself, I am what? Meek and lowly. He said, learn of me. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly. Psalm 147 says that God will lift up the meek and cast down the wicked. God will lift up the meek, the weak, the meek. Both testaments tell us that the, the both testaments, Old and New, tell us that the meek shall what? Inherit the earth. A man or woman who, who gets angry at everyone, who, 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 who gets angry quickly, who gets angry all the time. They're filled with pride. And it makes sense, does it not? They're filled with pride. Anyone who is angry all the time is not humble. They are filled with pride. They are filled with meanness. And they are not right with God. And if this is your lifestyle, if this is common to you, if this, is your, if this is what you're known for, for being angry all the time, revenging all the time, resenting all the time, angry all the time, don't cross him. If that's your reputation, you have every good reason to wonder if you're even a Christian. Amen. I'm going to say that again. If you are angry all the time, and that is your reputation, and people are afraid to cross you because you'll get mad and you'll blow up. If that's your reputation, you have a reason to wonder and doubt whether you're even a Christian.
Long-suffering is the fruit of the Spirit. And if we're right with God and walking in the Spirit, our responses to those who have angered us will be greatly tempered. I didn't say great temper. I didn't say great temper. They will be greatly tempered. In other words, our responses will be controlled, measured, limited, less extreme. Now, now, now listen to me. Listen to me. None of us that claim the name of Christ are perfect. Okay? And we struggle with things. And this might be one of the things you struggle with. But you struggle with it. And you work on it. And you try to do better. And you want to do better. And you apologize to those you hurt when you don't do better. Right? And you, and you repent of that. That is the life of a Christian. That, that, is the, that is the makeup of a Christian. I've done wrong. That was wrong. That was the wrong response. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. God help me. That's the response of a Christian. We're not perfect. But I stand by the statement that I just said, and I'll say it for a third time. If your life is known by the anger, and if your reputation is known about a short fuse, and people are afraid of you and afraid to cross you because you're just mean as a rattlesnake, if that's you, you have a question whether you're even saved. I've said it three times, and I stand by it. As a Christian, they hate that response, and they apologize for that response, and they try to fix that response. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. It's this simple. If we have a short fuse, if we are easily angered, if we always respond in wrath, we are not being Christ-like. We are not pleasing God. We are not walking in the Spirit. We are not obedient to the Word. We are not spiritual. We are instead carnal. We are fleshly. We are worldly. We are devilish. We are disobedient. It's that simple. You getting angry all the time at the drop of a hat is not Christ-like. It's not Christian love. It's not the fruit of the Spirit. And one more thing. You're not acting like a Christian. And you're not walking worthy of the name of Christ. And you're not walking worthy of the name Christian. Ephesians 4, 1-3 I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all loneliness and meekness and long-suffering and forbearing one another in love. Endeavoring, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know what, you know what many people, many people, I hear it all the time, many people, they, they say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm the peacemaker in the family. I'm the one that tries to keep the peace. I, I don't say things and I don't, because, I, 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 because I don't want to agitate everybody and get everybody all upset. And, and they look at that as a fault. They look at that as a fault. Like they should be speaking their mind every time. They should be opening up their mouth every time. They should say exactly what's on their mind every time. No, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. In fact, in fact, many times you're probably going to regret what you've said. Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
The last phrase here speaks in particular of the body of Christ, the church. Speaking of long-suffering, especially within the church, go to Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 12. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 12. Especially in the church. Colossians 3 and verse number 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. Be a merciful person. Be a merciful person. Maybe, hey, hey, maybe your mercies could be new every morning and you could have a fresh batch to hand out, hey? Right? Right? I mean, you get, you get your mercies new every morning from God. His mercies are new every morning to you. Maybe you could turn around and you could dole out some mercy yourself. Put on kindness. Kindness. If there's one thing that people ought to be able to say, that person is a Christian and they are kind. Right? Not that person's a Christian and they are mean. That doesn't sound right, does it? That's not right, is it? That person claims to be a Christian. They are mean. What good's that doing anybody? How, 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 how is that any good to reach people for Christ? How is that, how is that any good to, to uh, you know, uh, recommend Christianity? Yeah, who wants Christianity when, when you claim to be one and you're mean all the time? Humbleness of mind. Meekness, long-suffering, bearing, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Especially in the church, we're to be kind, we're to be gentle, we're to be forbearing, we're to be loving, we're to be merciful. We're to keep the peace and the unity of the Spirit. If we practice long-suffering toward neighbors and co-workers, we should especially practice long-suffering with family and our faith family. But you know what we do too often? Way, way, way too often. We're kind. We grit our teeth. We bear it at work. We're kind. We don't blow up at work. We don't lose our cool at work. And we come home and we blow up on family. Right? That's, there ain't nothing right about that, man. There's nothing right about that. Nothing right about that. That's wrong in every sense of the imagination. And even more so, our faith family. Hey, we're brothers and sisters. We are a family here. We have the same Heavenly Father. How very wrong to treat our co-workers with patience and respect and then come home and treat our family like trash. Doesn't even make good sense. And yet sometimes it happens. And those in the body of Christ are our brothers and sisters. And they should be treated with as much patience and gentleness and kindness and long-suffering. The church of Corinth had many impressive things going for it. But the church of Corinth had many things to be ashamed of and embarrassed of. And Paul here in 1 Corinthians 13 is trying to correct them and get them to where they are treating one another in Christian love. Let me conclude the sermon by drawing some implications of long-suffering. And listen carefully and closely. Long-suffering would mean that someone does us wrong. Someone does us wrong. And we take it. Without plotting any type of revenge. That's what we're talking about here. No type of revenge. 
And that includes, that includes not talking trash about them to someone else. Trying to hurt their reputation through your bitter gossip. You, you know, that's, that's, an, that's an act or a form of revenge. Someone hurts you, and you two turn around, and you tell, you know, your, 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 your 200 closest friends what they did. You are taking revenge upon them. You are trying to separate them from their friends. You are trying to put them in a bad light. You are trying to make them look bad. That is revenge. Your bitter gossip is revenge. And that's not long-suffering. That's not gentleness. That's not kindness. Long-suffering means that you take the offense, you take the injury without a spirit of revenge, without a spirit of resentment. To their face or behind their back. Either one. Either one. Don't respond with kindness to their face and then turn around and, and destroy them behind their back. James chapter 3 and verse number 17. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and full of mercy. So someone does you wrong, no thought of revenge, no thought of destroying their reputation, no thought of getting evil, no spirit of resentment, no plotting of getting even. No, that's, that's not long-suffering. That's evil. That's repaying evil with evil. That's you, that's you. You know, they say don't wrestle with a pig because you'll both end up dirty. That's you becoming as bad as they. Now listen. Listen. Hear me well. Hear me clearly. You may reprove them. You may rebuke them. You may correct them when they're wrong. You may say, friend, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. Friend, you are wrong. But you do so with gentleness. You do so with love. You do so with kindness. You do so with meekness. Getting even. Well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Tit for tat. It's not Christian. It's not a Christian response. Revenge is not a Christian response. If God wants to deal with them, that's up to Him. Your default response is kindness and gentleness. Meekness. Bitter gossip about what they did against you is not a Christian response. Hey, hey, hey. Let me, let, me, let me let you in on a really uncomfortable truth. If they will talk about others to you, they will talk about you to others. That's an uncomfortable truth. Amen? Long-suffering would mean that even though someone has done you wrong, especially a friend or a family or a saint in the church... Not only do you not seek revenge, but you keep your love for them. You keep your love for them in your heart. And you get rid of any emotions that would destroy that love, like bitterness, that would destroy that love. It's not, just that, it's not just that we refuse to retaliate, but we refuse to allow bitter and resentful emotions to rise up in our heart and chip away at our love. We should not just control our outward passions of anger, 
But we should control our inward spirit of resentment and bitterness. I'm telling you right now, bitterness destroys you. It destroys you. It destroys your health. It destroys everything about you. Bitterness is terrible. The root of bitterness, if it's not plucked up and torn out, it will destroy friendships, marriage, family. The Christian does not stop loving someone just because they've been done wrong. You don't get that option. If you struggle in this area, hear me church, hear me. If you struggle in this area, allow me to remind you of how often that you have done wrong to your God, your Heavenly Father. And understand this, no one, no one in your life has done you wrong as much as you have done God wrong. No one in your life has done you as much wrong as you have done God wrong. No one. Does God stop loving you? Does He? So how are you going to stop loving someone who has offended you once or twice? You don't know what they did to me. What have you done to God? I close with this final thought. Long-suffering means that we, we don't seek revenge. And, and, we, and we don't stop loving. But long-suffering also means that we, and this is kind of what I just said, we bear the injury, we bear the insult, we bear the offense without losing the calm and the peace of our own heart. If you keep quiet, and you do not respond, and you do not retaliate, and you do, but, but you do allow resentment and bitterness and unrest in your own soul. Let's say someone does you wrong, and you, you, you're, you're kind with them, and you're gentle with them, and you don't, you don't respond with revenge, and you don't respond in a negative way. But that resentment and that bitterness starts building up in your own soul. And the unrest in your own soul. You have not really borne the wrong in the true spirit of long suffering. If you nurture if you nurture bitterness, if you if you nurture an inward anger and an inward hatred and a seething resentment in your own heart. You've kept peace on the outward, but inward you, you're full of anger and bitterness. What you have done is add insult to injury. They hurt you and now you are hurting you. How can you serve or worship God with that garbage in your heart and your soul? That bitterness growing and that hatred seething. How can you worship God? How can you serve God with a heart full of hatred and bitterness seething within you? How can you be loving and happy and peaceable to your loved ones when sinful disease is eating away at your soul? The true spirit of long-suffering is to meekly and calmly bear the offense of others against you. And go on with your day in peace and calm and joy in your own heart and mind. Do you see what I'm saying? They do you wrong. You say, well, I acted in a Christian manner towards them. I didn't get angry. I was gentle with them. And yet over here at night, you're still mad at them. And that resentment and that bitterness and that anger just grows and grows like a terrible disease in your soul. 
What good is that? Luke 21.19 says, listen to this. You might want to write it down or highlight it. Luke 21.19 In your patience, in your long-suffering, Possess ye your souls. In other words, don't swallow your anger and let it sit there and destroy you. Bear the afflictions, bear the reproaches, Bear the indignities, bear the offenses, bear the persecutions, but do not let them disturb you, distress you, and destroy you. Listen, probably every one of us in this room knows somebody who is going to die a bitter, angry old woman or a bitter, angry old man. Because they could not let something go. And it destroyed them. In your patience possess ye your own souls. Be long-suffering. Be kind. Be gentle when offended against. But do not let that bitterness and resentment grow in you and disturb you and distress you and destroy you. Instead, possess a peace and a joy in your soul. Enjoy your life in spite of what others do unto you. Do not let others rob your joy. Do not let others steal your peace. Do not let others take your calm and enjoyment. Go on and live in peace, live in joy, live in happiness, enjoy life. But some people insist on internalizing all kinds of bad feelings. And it will destroy both body and soul. So when someone does you wrong, your homework this week, is to take it with kindness, gentleness, patience, continuing to love them, and not letting that thing eat you up inside. Turn it over to God. If you think vengeance must be enacted, if you feel that they must be punished, God says over and over again, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Before you go to sleep at night, say, God, you know what they did to me. You know what they said to me. You know how they hurt me. You know how they offended me. I need to get some sleep. I plan on having a good day tomorrow. I'm leaving this up to you. Amen? I'm leaving this up to you. If you want to handle it, you handle it how you want to handle it. As for me, I'm going to lay my head on my pillow in peace and enjoy. And I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to enjoy the day. Listen, you know where... <laughs> hey, I had to live with this sermon all week long. I had to live with it. I mean, it, this sermon, I, I, it was part of my everyday life. And I kept reminding myself, you need to be, you need to be really kind to Shannon this week because she's going she's gonna, to she's gonna remind you of your sermon on Sunday afternoon. You know where this really shows up? You know where it really shows up, don't you? For a lot of us, you know where it shows up, don't you? Road rage. Albert is acting like he doesn't even know what that is. 
You're acting like you don't even know what that is. Someone cut, someone cuts you off and then goes 25 miles under the speed limit. And you, oh, I know, I know, I know. And you get so angry. And the first chance you get, what do you do? You speed around them at 100 miles an hour and get in front of them and step on the brakes. Or with your caravan, you box them in. That's never happened, Dom. And uh, <laughs> let, me, let me say this. Road rage isn't what it used to be, so you better be careful. They'll shoot you. They'll shoot you. People are crazy. Uh, and maybe, maybe, listen, maybe there's some of us in here that have conquered this pretty good. Maybe there's some of us in here that have a, a pretty good, peaceful, easygoing temperament. But probably quite a few of us, this is an issue. And we get angry. And we respond angrily. And I just want you to understand, it's, it's not the Christian response. The Christian response is to suffer wrong done unto you, to suffer it long. There may come a time for anger. There may come a time down the road for justified, righteous anger. There may. But your life should not be known to where you're angry all the time. And you get angry at the drop of a hat. That's not Christ-like. Let's pray. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. I know that you've spoken.